Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome back into another episode of From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane alongside Matt McGavick, Vince LaCoco. The gang is all here. Feels like it's been forever since we've been able to kind of sit down together for an episode. Obviously, we had Scott Satterfield a few weeks ago, but um, for a long kind of, uh, you know, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Just a a long form interview, which is exactly what we will do tonight uh, on the episode here from the Pink Seats podcast with a special guest. And when I ask you guys, who is the most famous alumni that's not Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater? I feel like our guest tonight, his name would come up pretty quickly. Am I right? I think you're right. I know a lot of people will probably think about, you know, active NFL players like Devontae or Jair, but as far as people who have moved on from their playing career, I feel like Eric Wood is probably one of the first people to come to mind. Heck, I know when the director when Josh Hurts uh, first mentioned that he wanted to open up a director of player personnel position on the uh, support staff who is the first guy that most people <laughs> right. threw into the mix that's right I mean, Eric, Eric Wood that's right Eric Wood is the, the, the first name to come up in every coaching opening for Louisville regardless of what side of the ball it's on Vince what's your first memory of Eric Wood um, as a football player growing up here in Louisville uh, I mean, obviously, he, he played O-line, so there wasn't much as much glamour on Eric as there was Michael Bush or Brian Brom and those guys, you know, the skill position guys growing up. But, I mean, my first, like, memory, I guess, personal memory with Eric Wood would be, you know, my freshman year of college when he was still an active NFL player. He'd come back and do those workouts with us and everything. And I sit back and look at it now because Eric's – you know, off doing his uh, media stuff and all his other ventures and everything. It's 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 funny to think that I was working out with Eric Wood, a Pro Bowl center at one point, and I just didn't even, you know, process it. I just thought of him as another huge offensive lineman. Tonight, our guest, Eric Wood, he's the host of What's Next with Eric Wood, the podcast that you can find anywhere podcasts are available. He's a member of the U of L Athletic Hall of Fame, and he's the color analyst for the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast. Uh, and now an entrepreneur, investor, uh, all of the above. He is a man that wears many hats, and we are excited to have him on the show tonight. As I mentioned at the top, there are very few alumni uh, that have the credibility that Eric Wood does. And he is a guy that uh, when he's around the Louisville football program, uh, that's a great sign for the program, for the head coaching staff and all those things. So really looking forward tonight to sit down with Eric and talk about 
his career at Louisville, the NFL, uh, what he you know thinks of this year's team with Louisville and Scott Satterfield, what he thought of what happened on the field last year. And then we'll talk a little bit about his, his ventures off the field, podcasting, his entrepreneurship, and um, you know taking um, you know some investment into businesses here locally and nationally, and just all the things that he's got his hands into. This is going to be a fascinating interview. So thank you all for tuning in. If you're tuning in for the first time after the Scott Satterfield interview, we, we're glad you're here. We hope that uh, you have found a home for Louisville Football News, the only Louisville football show in the city specifically talking nothing but football. Uh, we are excited to, to keep that going along tonight with Eric Wood. Be sure to follow us at Pink Seats Pod on Twitter. Give these gentlemen a follow at Matt underscore McGavick. The Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated is where you can find his work. Great stuff there. They, uh, definitely keeping him busy right now. That transfer portal, not fun to cover if you got to write about every person that goes into it. Uh, and then, of course, Vincent Lococo, exactly how it spells on Twitter. Uh, you can find him there and at Jacob Lane 08 and at the state of Lewis where you can find us. All right, enough of us. Let's go ahead and jump into it and bring in our guest tonight, Eric Wood. Eric Wood joins us now for the first time on From the Pink Seats. Eric, welcome in, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I, I want to start off by apologizing to anybody who was ready to listen to me tune in the other night. Hopefully you guys crushed it with a little solo session. I, I pride myself on being prompt and showing up early for things and not missing them. I was explaining, I've been doing this new rhythm at home where I'm trying to put my phone on airplane mode at nighttime to be more intentional with my wife and the kids. And it got me the other night. It, it truly did. Well, look, we, as a father of two kids here and, and two guys that have had to deal with my kids busting through the door, making noise on the outside, we all get it here. So we're, but, we're just glad to have you on, man. Well, I'll say this though. One of my biggest pet peeves is as I've done my podcast, uh, over the years. And we've gotten, I don't know, 150 some guests. I I'll tell you what, the ones we've tried to do live, you know, it's been former teammates. I'll throw my former teammate Shady McCoy under the bus. Twice <laughs> we made graphics, similar to what you guys did the other day with like putting out a post that day. Yeah. Twice we did graphics for an Instagram live. Now, one time he legitimately had COVID, another one he had something come up. And I, and I get it, life gets in the way. But that's part of the reason we had to quit going live, which is great for bringing numbers to the podcast because you can truly tap into someone's mm -hmm. social following when you go live. But we had to quit doing that because there's just always stuff that comes up and right. it's like that athlete MO, like, Oh, I bet this dude no shows. And like the fact that that happened to me the other <laughs> night and that's my biggest pet peeve, like it's irked me all week. So that's what I was, I was, I was sitting back. I'm like, I know Eric. I've, I've been around Eric a ton. Like this is not like him. <laughs> just one no show and two no text. I'm like, something's up right now he's got to have the kids or whatever it's that's kind of he's an ath former athlete he's five minutes early everywhere he goes right that's kind of what happened when we had reggie bonifon on we were supposed, right. to, uh, supposed to record one night and then he texts vince saying hey i think i'm i'm about ready to have a kid like right now <laughs> hey, look <laughs> things come up you know much better i mean that's right. That's right. Well, hey, speaking of kids, I want to start us off here. Before we jump into football, I I've got a question for you. I've got an eight-month-old son. He is 24 pounds, 2T clothing already. The boy, uh, I think he's born to be an offensive lineman. So uh, just as a former offensive lineman, how do I nurture this boy into growing into his potential as a, uh, as a right tackle? As a right tackle, which is different than left tackle and different That's than right. the other positions on the line. I'll That's say that, right. you know, um, the bigger, the better, you know, when you're when you're younger. But I'll say this, it, it, this comes up often on my podcast when I talk to, you know, Hall of Fame offensive linemen like Joe Thomas and Joe Staley and these guys. Most of them weren't, 
you know, these big, massive dudes growing up. A lot of them didn't even play football till a later age. So for all those parents that say, man, if I don't get my son playing football at age eight, there's no shot he's got to, to start at high school or to go play in college. That's simply not true. There's so many other sports that can develop the skill sets that are needed, even for offensive linemen which is a combat kind of leverage position, I would argue basketball and staying in front of a guy or even almost the converse of that wrestling where you're leveraging, you learn um, to stay on your feet and all that. Like there's so many sports that translate to football. So I I know that was kind of a sarcastic Jacob uh, question, Jacob, (laughs) but, but I'm going to use it as a, a, a chance to say, you know, to all those dads out there, let your kids, if you want to be good at football, don't burn them out on it early. If they want to play early, go for it. I had Merrill Hodge on my podcast, and he talked a lot about how how safe youth football is nowadays and how if you're going to let your kids go to recess and go to gym, go to physical education class at school, they have a higher chance of getting a concussion in youth sports than at youth ages for those sports uh, than they would playing football. So um, don't don't shy away from putting your kid in football, but also don't force it. I'm going to, I'm going to mark the three minute and 52nd uh, part of the show and send that to my wife and let her listen to that. because <laughs> <laughs> We are not on the same page about football. We'll get there. We got plenty of time. Moving on to Louisville football. What did you think of uh, the 2021 season? What stood out to you? You know, to me, it was marred by injuries. When you look at Braden Smith, Monty Montgomery and Cottrell Clark, all going out with ACL tears, mm-hmm. that is extremely unlucky they all happen fairly early in the season, especially Monty and Braden. And those are two guys that they're really relying on. Monty, in my opinion, probably the best player on the team. Most, definitely your best playmaker on the defense side of the ball where you didn't have much depth anyways. And so you lose Monty Montgomery early. Then you lose your best cover guy in control Clark. And there's just not that many top-level coverage guys in college football nowadays. That's why you'll probably see five corners drafted in the first round this year because they're just tough to find. Guys that can play in this day and age of football, not have contact, pass five yards down the field and still cover guys, those guys are rare. Uvell has one in control Clark. They lose him with an ACL tear. And then Braden Smith, one of their top receivers. They lose four games in ACC play by one score or less, all they had to lead in the fourth quarter. And a lot of people are hypercritical of Satterfield for losing those games I almost look at it on the other side that they were in a position to win those games when in a lot of cases they had a lot less depth, which probably got them in the fourth quarter, but they have a lot less depth and and talent than a lot of teams that they were going up against. And so for me, I was encouraged by the way the guys fought. They obviously play hard for Coach Satterfield. They truly enjoyed playing for him. He's one heck of a person. I was cautious about my optimism around the program and what it could become based upon their track record with recruiting the last few years. But as I talked to coach Satterfield, he said, these top level recruits will start coming. We just have to build relationships with them longer. This isn't a one or two year deal where we start getting four stars because at a school like Louisville and I went to Louisville, I love Louisville to death, but it's just not a hotbed. We don't live in a hotbed of uh, high school talent. And then you know, it's not a destination school for a lot of guys. So you have to build these relationships. Well, boom, you get a Pierce Clarkson who they, who they've been recruiting like crazy for so long, building crazy relationships with him, his dad, people around him. Well, then you get a Pierce Clarkson. Then you're getting these guys on visits now, and you're seeing a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. And it's always said in sports, 
it's less about the X's and O's and more about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And they're starting to put some talent into this recruiting class where we're sitting at almost April now. And UofL's got the ninth ranked recruiting class in the country. I mean, you mentioned Cottrell Clark going back on that. When I remember sitting in those defensive staff rooms and they're talking about uh, they're starting to compare Cottrell's footwork to that of Jair's. I mean, to me, Jair is probably the – I mean, he is the best corner to ever come out of our school. That is high praise for Cottrell, and uh, hopefully he can keep that up after this ACL tear. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, somebody like yourself who also had a lower body injury. What do, what do you think about that? How do you think that will play? Yeah, it's interesting because ACLs come in many different shapes and forms, and guys, some guys come back from them like Adrian Peterson and rush for 2,000 yards in that next season, then other guys really are never quite the same person. So, or same player, I'll say. So it's hard to say exactly what he's going to be coming back from it. You say Jair Alexander is the best cornerback to come out of all time. I'm not super familiar with his tape from the University of Louisville, but Sam Madison had one heck of a pro career. It may have something to say about that, but Jair <laughs> is a first-round draft pick, and he's already been all pro and a pro bowl. So, uh, you know, Jair is well, well, well on his way. I will say that, but Cottrell Clark's an excellent uh, football player, great kid, working his tail off, was texting with him the other day, checking in on him. He said the ACL rehab's going great. I don't think he'd mind me sharing that. It's positive news. So he's excited about getting back out on the field and proving what he's all about. And, you know, this is a situation where, you know, if, if he if he plays the remainder of the year last year like he started the first part of the season, we might not have Cottrell Clark in a uniform. I'm not saying an ACL – Injury is ever a good thing for a program, but this is a guy that probably wouldn't even be in the program had he not torn that ACL. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Right, and having gone to just a, a few practices and most recently going out to Pro Day and seeing some of the guys, I saw guys like Monty, Control Clark, a few other guys who got hurt this offseason. It seems like all their respective rehabs are going pretty well. And, and before I dive into my first question, Eric, I mean, you brought up something, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I've – I've gotten into this discussion with a lot of Louisville fans who, who will argue with me until till they're blue in the face with this. The city of Louisville and the state of Kentucky, and you can kind of add to this, touch upon it however you want to do. Like it, It's not a recruiting hotbed. I mean, I've, I can't tell you the amount of people I've talked to who think if you just recruit Trinity or Mail that you can contend for the ACC championship. If they just do that, you might as well just drop to FCS. I mean, if you want to play big boy football – You've got to Vince. You laugh. You going know going in just, on the Louisville schools, man. I'm just. I graduated I'm, I'm not, from Trinity, Eric. So I mean, he, he's trying to take a dig at me a little bit. There. I'm just saying, does the city of Louisville and the state of Kentucky have top tier talent? Yes, but it's not places like Southern California. It's not Texas. It's not Georgia. It's not Florida. But anyways, enough about my little. So I just had to get that off here. Well, well, what do you I, think about that yeah, whole thing? Yeah, I was going to make a couple points. So one. The state of Kentucky, I mean, you could look at the population and say that they wouldn't have the amount of top tier talent as other states. And, you know, a lot of kids in this state grow up playing basketball primarily. And so as their number one focus, there's 6,000 travel baseball players in the city of Louisville alone right now in youth sports. I mean, there's other popular sports in this state besides football. You go down to Florida and all the best athletes are playing football. That's what they're doing. They're not on a basketball court. Georgia the same way. And and you could talk about Texas, a lot of those states that produce a lot of that top tier talent in, in crazy numbers. 
you know, they grow up with a football in their hands as opposed to in, in Kentucky. A lot of people grow up with a basketball in their hands. I will say this. When you can get a like guys I played with a Brian Brahma, Michael Bush to supplement a recruiting class and, and at times be the flagship of the recruiting class, that's very valuable. Those guys don't come out all the time, but when they do come out, you want to land those guys. We haven't got those guys lately. And that's part of the reason Scott and his staff have caught so much criticism because you want to grab those guys. They're also really good for a locker room because like anything, um, I think back to Quentin Snyder a few years on the basketball team, when you have those local guys and a David Johnson, they create a certain amount of pride in a school because of the proximity of them being from there. And so I like when there's guys in this area that that are of the talent. But I remember when Clint Hurt was talking about James Quick. James Quick and Trinity went up to my high school in Cincinnati, Elder. Elder is generally top 10, top 20 in the country. We have a very good program up there. And James Quick went up there and put on a show. And, and my high school football coach was like, James Quick might be the best high school football player I've seen on a field, maybe besides Maurice Claret or a couple others. Wow. Well, Clint Hurt was talking about James Quick, and this is a little bit off the record, but obviously I'm saying it on the record <laughs> now, and it's no shot at him. He just said you could find a lot of those guys around the country. Yeah. He wasn't saying that. James Quick was not a four-star type talent because he truly was. He was just saying that those guys, he's not a dime a dozen, but you could find a lot of those guys in Georgia, Florida, Texas, Southern California. You can find a lot of James Quicks. He's fast. He's explosive. He's good with the ball in his hands. Those, those guys exist elsewhere. He stood out in the state of Kentucky and he stood out against my high school too. This isn't a shot at the state of Kentucky. Like he went up to Cincinnati and, balled out against all the big boys up there, same X elder or Moeller. So it, that's, that's obviously that's not a shot here. So I say all that, what UofL has done in getting Pierce Clarkson is huge because guys, we saw this with Teddy Bridgewater guys rally around a big time quarterback. So when you can nab that big time quarterback, that becomes really good for a recruiting class. Right. And, and you're already starting to see a lot of those recruiting dividends down and they're already in the mix for a lot of guys. And with the spring game coming up, I'm sure they're probably going to land another commitment or two but en enough about my recruiting so well, i was gonna say, i was gonna say i don't think louisville's had a five-star uh commitment since your teammate peanut whitehead i'm almost positive that's louisville's last five-star player yeah and like yep. there is something to the star rankings do not get me wrong because there's a reason that of the six teams that have ever made the college football playoff maybe seven now they've over the previous four years, they've all averaged at least a top 10 recruiting class. So there is something to these star rankings. Do not get me wrong. But when Peanut Whitehead came in and he had been playing against very inferior talent down in mm. Alabama, I'm sure Matt knows, but I, I believe he was from Alabama and he was playing in a really low division down there, just crushing people. Now, he certainly looked the part when he got on campus, but he was not ready to play against level of competition because he wasn't exposed to it. It's so much different than like AU basketball, where you can go stick the best players in the country out on the court together. It's apples to apples. See them all compete. Okay, I like these guys, these guys. It, it becomes a lot more predictable than in football when you can play against a much smaller class of opponent. Right. It's it's not like in football, you don't exactly have like summer travel leagues like you do in AAU. Yeah. And like even the seven on seven camps, it's tough to judge. Like that's not mm -hmm. football in pads. I don't care if a receiver yeah. can run across the middle and flag football. It's much different running across the middle when you know someone can tag you. 
even yeah. worse, it's, it's with you guys, the O-line, the, the drills they do for these guys sometimes are just terrible. You see the bull rushes at some of these rivals camps and things like that. It's, it's like you're, you're just not going to be able to do that in a game. You know? No, and if I see one more offensive lineman, like, turn and sling a dude to the ground <laughs> yeah. and doesn't act like that's a win, I'm like, no, that's an ACL injury for the quarterback. That's you right. Right into the legs of the quarterback. Like, that's that's like – Football 101 is you never throw a guy back into the pocket. Like you eject guys out of the pocket, not in, because when you go back in, you're either going to hurt one of your buddies on the O-line or you're going to collapse the quarterback's legs. Like that, that, to me, you're just teaching terrible habits. But the offensive lineman has to do that because you don't have pads on. And so you catch the bull rush. The only thing to do is to throw them out of the way. I would implement a trap move where as soon as I saw a dude lower his head, I'd just step back and just <laughs> trap him right to the ground. And you know what? If he caught me, I'd just take the next rep and say, look, I'm not getting my chest blown up by this dude trying to bull rush me in a summertime deal with no pads on. <laughs> and no helmet on. Like, it's one thing to have no pads on. To really not have a helmet on, like, you're going to break your nose. Oh, they have it those little uh, padded uh, things that you see on guys' helmets, like running backs and linebackers' helmets now during live yeah. practice. They'll put those on and act like that's going to be able to do something. Yeah, it sucks that it's kind of devolved to that, but, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, enough about my recruiting soapbox. Let's let's take a look towards 2022. Now, there are certain uh, aspects of the team where you need some improvement, but one area where I think we can all agree that Louisville will have a bona fide strength in, again, is the offensive line. They only lose Cole Bentley, but then they move Brian Hudson over to center, and they've got some guys working out at that new guard spot there. How excited are you to see that Louisville is retaining almost their entire offensive line and getting back a Malik Cunningham, who has been putting in a lot more work on his ability as a pure pocket passer? Like, when you look at that total package and throw in all the weapons they have running back, how excited does that make you to see what Louisville is capable of offensively? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love their offensive line. I liked them last year, too. Now, Trevor Reed, he came over from the JUCO ranks took him a little bit to get adjusted, especially mentally. You know, it's a much uh, more expansive offense. And talking to him personally, much more expansive offense than he was used to. But Trevor has tons of talent. I mean, if he puts it all together, he could play left tackle in the National Football League. And then you look at the depth they even got on that offensive line with young guys like Collins and Kandra. Kandra's a little mini-me from Elder. Uh, yeah, he is, man. Yeah, he is, dude. Love that, dude. I wish, I wish I was as jacked as he is now when I was in college. I tell him that all the time because people call him Mini Wood. I'm like, no, dude, that guy looks way better than I did when I was in college. <laughs> Renato Brown, Adonis Boone, um, love Brian Hudson, love his game. He's a, he's a leader on that offensive line. Obviously, Caleb Chandler, their most highly touted guy from the offensive line last year. And then a guy who I truly – think could be an absolutely special player is Michael Gonzalez, who played as a true freshman last year. Some of the best body control I've ever seen for a true freshman offensive lineman. A lot of core stability, a lot of stability in his hips. Some of it's natural, some of it's hard work from him. Uh, But a guy who plays with a lot of poise for such a young guy and actually split some time with Boone, uh, uh, I'm sorry, with Trevor Reed last year at tackle. And then, um, when Renato Brown got dinged up a little bit, filled in there. So really excited about the offensive line. Marshawn Ford's back at tight end. You get some added pieces at receivers, plus the young cats they had playing there last year with some obvious speed with Huggins and Harrell on the outside. 
The running back room is extremely solid. You get the transfer from Tennessee, add that to an already good running back room. And in my opinion, and I told him this all last year, Malik Cunningham will be a top 10 Heisman candidate odds wise to start the season this year. If he's not, it would greatly surprise me. And last year, you know, you had, you know, it's just unfortunate what happened at receiver with Braden Smith. And then, you know, you didn't have the quite the production you thought you'd get from Marshall. And then you're relying on these young guys, but the timing's not quite there because they didn't get all the reps together. All that being said, I think a lot of that will be solved this year. And I'm really excited to see what Malik can do. Now, just uh, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off there, Vince, but when you look at everything, what do you think is a glaring weakness on this on this offense? Do you think it's probably the relative, I'm going to say relative inexperience with the wide receiver room, but do you think it's how that whole position group, all of the main projected contributors are all playing with each other for mostly the first time do you think that's yeah and it kind of reminds me of last year for the old miss game when you lose all your production at receiver the year before Mm -hmm. and then you come out of the old miss game and you're just not quite in sync because you've never done it with live bullets before and now you have this emotional game on live tv and malik really struggled throwing the football in the first half and i wouldn't say it's a weakness per se now because i'm sure they're working on it but if malik cunningham can truly add accuracy in the quick game to where if teams are sitting back in off zone or really focusing on the run game, that he gets really accurate with those screen throws to the outside and really accurate with the quick game hitches slants to expose the defense, then his game is, is, you know, almost untouchable because he's so good with his legs. His deep ball has always been great. You know, it's, it amazes me. I feel like at times the defense knows the deep ball is coming and they still throws it over the top of him. He's got great arm talent. It's just about making great decisions um, in, in that quick game. I, I think if he takes that next step, then truly special season ahead for him. Yeah, the, the, the magic words this season, check down. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. That check down is going to be real good to Malik this year. Let me ask you this, though, Eric. I think you've got a really unique perspective on Malik Cunningham. We've talked a little bit about this, and there will be much more discussion as the year goes on, assuming that Malik has another great season. But when you look at the echelon of Louisville, uh, the, the tiered echelons of Louisville quarterback, there's so many guys that have played well at quarterback here. But you're talking about at the top, Lamar Jackson, Brian Brom. Uh, you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater. In your opinion, does Malik belong in the conversation with those three gentlemen? No, not yet. And I'm trying to, and, and I think a lot of it comes from not winning enough football games. That's, yeah, un, that's un, un, unfortunately, with the quarterback position, they get way too much credit for wins and way too much blame <laughs> for losses. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the position. It's the most important position, all of pro sports. There's not anything like it. There's not any other position. Now you can have more dominant players. Maybe in basketball, you lose LeBron James off a team. But when you look at point spreads and how much they move, if the quarterback is lost, as opposed to any other star player on the entire team compared to other sports, it's just, it's the most important position in pro sports. If you had a major league baseball pitcher that could pitch uh, for an entire homestand, then maybe, but he can only pitch one of the games. And so quarterback becomes so important. And I say all that to say, I just don't think Malik's won enough football games on a consistent basis to be considered in that tier. Now, if he goes out and plays as special as he can this year, if we see more production, and you're not going to play Duke every every week, but the kind of like the efficiency and 
in the playmaking ability that we saw against Duke and some other teams last year. And he makes a run at the Heisman. Yes, he jumps up into that conversation if the win total follows. I never would have thought of it that way, to be honest with you. Yeah, that, that's it's a fair that's critique. An interesting though. way to put it, for sure. I mean, yeah, he's right, for sure. Moving along a little bit, what can you tell the audience about Coach Set? You guys have become friends over the years, and uh, you know, I was around him a lot up in the offices. And there's just, I tell people all the time, there's a different side to Coach Set that you all don't see. So I was wondering if you could touch a little bit on that side. Yeah, you know, I think I think his greatest attributes of leadership are that he truly cares about the players and they play hard for him because of that. And he treats his coaches with respect, which seems cliche, but it's not always the case. Like guys want to coach with Coach Sack. Guys are leaving other programs to come here to coach with him because they know what type of man he is. He runs a great program and they're going to develop quality individuals as well as go out on the field and, and, and go out and try and compete for an ACC championship, which, which you know, you can, you can bag on that all day you want, but this team last year was not far away from competing for an ACC championship. And look, you win a couple of those games where you blow the fourth quarter lead, then your attitude's different. Your preparation might be a little bit different. It's just a whole different ballgame. There's more fans in the stands. There's a different excitement level around the program, and who knows what happens if you catch a little momentum instead of losing those early games where you blew the leads. All that being said, Sat's a competitive dude. I've played basketball with him. I've played cornhole with him. I've played golf with him. He's competitive. He competes. He does not like to lose. He composes himself really well in press conferences, and I know that people want him to show more emotion in those press conferences, but that's not him. He's not going to go up there and wear his emotions on his sleeve. He's not going to ever throw a guy under the bus up there on the press conference because once you do that once, then it's over. The guys no longer trust you. You're no longer the guy you said you were when you said you always had our back. And so he's just not that type of guy. He's not going to do it. Now, you have seen him open up with his personality a little bit more this offseason, which I thought has been great Um, because he does have – he has a great personality. You know, he's a lot of fun. He's a funny dude. All that being said, I, I like him. I like his family. Um, they're they're just they're an asset to this community. I want to see them continue to win here. You know, he had that flirtation with South Carolina, and who knows if that was more agent doing or Satterfield doing. The kicker the kicker is even Satterfield's not going to throw his agent under the bus. In that That's situation. right. That's right. But that that tainted a lot of his image here. But all mm-hmm. that goes away if they can get on a roll and start winning some ball games this year. I stand I by my take. I stand by my take. I'd beat Satterfield one-on-one. In He's so game. wrong. I stand Eric, by my take. I'd beat him one-on-one. Oh I don't know. I'd have to say, I'd have to see that now. Jacob, <laughs> I haven't seen you play basketball. Satterfield is crafty. I won't okay. say he's good. We need to create a soundbite of this, and I'll use it on my social media. I wouldn't <laughs> say Satterfield's a good basketball player, but he's extremely crafty, and he's an effective scorer. And then he's pretty he's pretty scrappy. It on sounds defense. like all of the typical white guy basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I am also I'm I'm also scrappy, but I'm severely out of shape. But I can still shoot the rock though. Like if you give me space, I'm not missing. So I, I don't know. I feel like I like my. Number. Um, uh, I would say uh, Coach Brown probably has the best jumper. Keith uh, oh, Edison had a pretty good game. Now, I shadowed the coaching staff for a week, two springs ago, 
and we played a lot of basketball. Like instead of taking, instead of eating lunch, we'd just go play basketball instead. And we competed hard for the week. So I was getting a good kind of mix of mm-hmm. who all can run and play. Well, lunch was there for you all when you got back. It's <laughs> courtesy that. of Vince uh, Yeah. Oh, no. I, seriously, I remember one time, Eric, that spring you were in the office and I had to go get Daddy Riches uh, for the staff because you got it for everybody. And uh, you handed me your card. And I'm like, holy shit, Eric Wood just handed me his damn debit card. Hey, I'll buy I'm you fly. Go, I'm guarding this with my life. <laughs> I buy you fly. That's a great rule to live by, man. I love that. Now, the, the real question is, how was he at Cornhole? Uh, he's solid. He's solid. He's not, he's not like West side of Cincinnati. Good. Like when you, oh, okay. like I say, people in Kentucky grew up with a basketball. We grew up with cornhole bags and uh, most of them were drinking Bud Light or Miller Light on the West side of Cincinnati. <laughs> I like it. Anyways, kind of getting back on track, obviously Eric, you know, there's been a lot of kind of shakeup amongst the coaching staff and support staff. I believe there's been four new additions among the assistant coaches. I believe that's what the number is. And also they've made it a concerted effort to kind of shake, I don't want to say shake up, but make some new additions to their support staff. They went in and brought in a new strength coach. They added the uh, player personnel developmental role that was taken up by Dion Branch. Uh, Mark Spear, as, if it's not already been announced, he's, take, he's going to take over chief of staff. Now, a lot of people, when, when Josh Hurd first announced in his introductory presser last December, this was a topic he touched upon. And, of course, he said he wanted to add the recruiting department and he wanted to add the director of player personnel. And a lot of a lot of fans, when they first heard that statement, a lot of them were quick to either point out Dion Branch, who ended up did taking that position, or you as someone to potentially take that role. Was there ever a conversation between you and Satterfield about potentially joining the program and taking on that role or just t- joining the program in general and, and assuming any sort of role? I'll yes, make it easy. But- I want to make it easier for you. Why do the fans always think that you should be the coach of every position that comes available? That's a better way of putting it. Well, like, oh, cornerback stu- the cornerback left cornerback's coach left. Hey, go hire Eric Wood. I would love, I would love to be a coach at U of L. I truly would. The amount of hours that it takes to work in college sports is just out of this world. And at this point in my life with a four and a six-year-old, Jacob, you were talking about having a five-year-old and an eight-month-old. Like, that just doesn't fit our family rhythm right now. And and had I not played in the NFL, I would have probably jumped at an opportunity to join Petrino's staff or whoever staff was at UofL. I would have jumped at an opportunity for that. At this point in my life, I really like what I'm doing in broadcasting and podcasting. I love to go up there, mentor, speak, pour into the guys now with NIL kind of being, you know, that allows me to have just a little bit more freedom to be like, Hey, I'm technically a booster of the school because I do support the program, but like, Hey, I just want to pour into guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it cool if we have a meal at my house or FCA guys come over the house for a meal? Like, is that cool? You know? And so nowadays it makes it a lot easier for me to pour back into them. I think they made a phenomenal hire Dion branch and Dion branches kids are older. So it makes more sense to him now that he can take the time that it takes. I mean, you're talking recruiting weekends. Every time you got to be present, that's every single weekend now, now, except unless it's a dead period. And so you're talking about every single weekend. You're talking about every single practice, every single meeting, every game. I mean, there's just so much time that goes into it. That would wipe out everything else I have going on in my life that I'm truly enjoying at this moment. Um, but anytime I get the opportunity to pour into the guys 
um, I will take that opportunity. And, and I'm flattered. I get blown up on Twitter. Anytime there's any movement with the coaching <laughs> That's staff. That's what I'm saying, man. Or, it's amazing. Or development, I, I always just get blown up like crazy. And honestly, I'm flattered by it. I'm flattered that people would consider me for those. But, you know, they know they have me as a resource. And when you asked, was that ever a conversation between me and Satterfield? He knows my feelings on all of that. We've mm-hmm. we've talked about this. So um, it, it didn't even need to be a conversation. Now, I gave Dion Branch a huge recommendation. I mean, he is just – he's a 10 out of 10 person. He's a great energy guy. I mean, he's got the greatest smile on earth. He's a former Super Bowl MVP. There's only been, what, 54 of those throughout history, and you get one of them to be your player development guy – and he's also just a 10 out of 10 person. Like that's an absolute home run. And so the fact that Dion was willing to do it, couldn't give him a higher endorsement. Yeah. And and even Dion was just trying to get away from the kids. (laughs) Well, I believe his oldest or his youngest, his youngest might be in high school or even getting close to graduating now. So he's almost, and he's getting close to an empty nester. Dion's a little bit older than you think he is too. So let me ask you this. I've heard, I heard this for the first time about a year and a half ago. I had Perrin Johnson on, on a podcast that I, that I hosted called Life in Basketball, just chit-chatting about the game of basketball. And he mentioned in passing that Eric Wood got a scholarship, not because the coaches saw him play football, but because they saw you play basketball. And I just kind of, uh, you know, dusted aside and then eventually came back to him like, that's, that's crazy. I don't think I'd ever heard that. Uh, so I don't know if this is like something that's well known over, throughout the time that you've been obviously playing at Louisville and, and to now, but the fact that Bobby Petrino discovered you as a basketball player, like, can you tell me a little bit about how that whole thing went down? Because maybe I'm showing my age here, but I definitely do not remember that. Yeah, that wasn't, um, that story gets blown a little bit out of proportion. I got offered a scholarship after a basketball game. Bobby Petrino never saw me play a high school football game in person. He only saw me play, I believe, two high school basketball games and offered me a scholarship after a basketball game. And so, yes, that that is true, but it wasn't necessarily based purely off my basketball school. <laughs> okay, okay. Watch football tape, and then they, and that happens for a lot of guys in football. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, we would have we had two guys, three. We had three guys play division one football off of our basketball team at Elder. Well, we would have college coaches fairly often at practices, whatnot, recruiting one of the three of us. Does this ever happen to you? Do you ever get sick of listening to the same old sports radio, Mount Rushmore this, hot seat that, the same rehashed old musty takes you've been hearing for years? Does it send you into a fit of rage causing you to lose control of the steering wheel, crashing into a vehicle leading to you being late to a big meeting at work which leads to your ultimate firing and downward spiral of your life? Does this ever happen to you? Don't send your life into a downward spiral. Do what thousands of others are already doing, listening to the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Louisville football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, Louisville City and racing Louisville soccer, Louisville culture, and so much more. State of Louisville Podcast Network and stateofluisville.com. Real fans' opinions for real fans like you. Reggie Bonifon brought this up uh, on our podcast with him. I love he's, Reggie. I call I call Reggie the mayor. I feel like oh, he, he like, definitely he's is the future That's, mayor he, of Louisville. He's I, I'm super tired with Reggie. I, I love him. He's I mean, he's up there. 
in my opinion, there's just a certain tier to like Louisville legends is Reggie, you, Lamar, and just Dion and just all these guys that almost deserve their own, like Reggie's Louisville, Eric's Louisville, whatsoever. What, but besides that, he mentioned uh, that 2016 team with Lamar as a Heisman against your 2006 Orange Bowl team. I'm curious your thoughts on that and who you think would win in a game versus those two teams and why. Mm. This, is, this is easy. See, I thought this would be an immediate, like, snap of the finger answer right No, because Eric knows football. He knows – see, you yeah, guys I mean, are just over here like, oh. I would say – I would say we were a more complete team, but I would worry about playing Lamar Jackson. You know, I don't know if we could outscore Lamar, honestly, uh, but I would feel really confident about us being able to put up points as well. I'm telling you – and, and, and you guys know this from playing high school sports. Like when you're a freshman in high school, you feel like that varsity team was like the greatest team ever because they're older. You got to see them. They seem so much bigger than you, whatever it may be. That 04 team that when I first came to L that won the Liberty Bowl, like I, I would worry about playing that team maybe more than even my 06 team or the 16 Lamar Jackson team, honestly. Yeah, that Liberty Bowl team kind of flies under the radar because, I mean, whenever you think about the best football teams in Louisville history, you all, people automatically think about the 06 team because they were that close to being able to contend for the national championship. But so was 04. I mean, they were a drop pick against Miami from doing the same thing. And then they still end up going, what was it, an 11-win season? Yeah, I think we were 11-1. and one. We beat Boise State, so that was a top-10 matchup in the Liberty Bowl. Maybe the best Liberty Bowl they'll ever get, you know. You get <laughs> UofL, the Conference USA winner, against Boise State, who I believe was undefeated at the time. And so you have this top-10 matchup. Maybe they have one loss, either one loss or no losses, but you have this top-10 matchup at the Liberty Bowl, which will never happen again. So – um, you know, you're welcome, Memphis, for that one. Uh, you got you got quite the gift there. But to me, and not all of us played, but when you look at, and we could look up the roster and post it, but when you look at the guys that were just on that team, you know, guys that weren't even really playing, like me, Gary Barnes played a decade in the NFL, Brennan Giacomini played a decade in the NFL, and then you have Bush, Colby Smith, Eric Sheldon, um, Kurt Quarterman and Jason Spitz both on the offensive line, right? Both guys oh, played seven years in the NFL. Renardo Foster got drafted yep. in the NFL, started left tackle for the Falcons. Travis LaFew had um, a, a short career with the Packers. Um, you know, the defense, I mean, my God, Robert McCune, Brandon Johnson, um, Elvis Dumerville, Amobia Koye, Montavia Stanley played almost a decade in the NFL. You had um, – Kerry Rhodes at safety. I mean, you just had talent all over the field. And to me, Stefan LaForce was just remarkable. Like, not quite the talent of Lamar Jackson mobility-wise, not quite mm -hmm. the arm of Brom, but just an unbelievable decision-maker, incredibly accurate. Like, I, I talked to the guys in um, Carolina. I have a bunch of buddies that played for the Panthers. And, like, the Bills now are, like, Carolina North with coaching staff and mm -hmm. everything else. So, I talked to a lot of those guys. They, like, they're obsessed with Stephon LaForce. That is absolutely hilarious. I, I think they would be just like us here. I mean, that, that guy, is, it might be one of the most, if not the most underrated player in program history. I say that 
quite often. I mean, he's just overlooked in every quarterback conversation. And my God, was he so much fun to watch. All right, right. let's switch, let's switch gears here. We're going to wrap the show up on this. I would be uh, remiss if I didn't get to talk a little bit with you about your uh, post football ventures and everything that you have going on in life right now. You are an extremely busy man, something that you've talked about throughout the show. Uh, so you've been, you've been out of the game of football now for several years. What, what is it about podcasting? That's it. What's next with Eric Wood, uh, a podcast that you guys should absolutely subscribe to and listen. Um, what, what is it about podcasting that really sparked your, you know, caught your attention and made you want to kind of dive in headfirst to it? Yeah, that's a great question. So when my career ended, I wanted to get into some type of media work and the offers weren't piling in. I called one game for Fox and did two pregame shows my first year out of the NFL, but I wanted to create some content. And for me, yes, I could go out and get a lot more listens if I told stories from Super Bowl parties and Mm -hmm. drinking stories and was super vulgar. But like one day, my kids are going to listen to this and do I really want them to associate like that's who my dad is, you know, it is what it is. So I decided to kind of create this podcast journey, this what's next with Eric Wood as I figured out what's next for me. And so it's basically me going on this journey and learning from so many individuals that go from hall of fame, football players, GMs, coaches, to pastors and CEOs and big time businessmen, life coaches, and everything in between nutrition experts and bring them all on and just learn from them. Because in my opinion, you know, life's about trying to be successful in all buckets of life. And so get people to pour into all those and to help me grow. And I just feel like if I'm growing, all the listeners are growing as well. And so I've really enjoyed the podcast game, calling the Bills games. I did ESPN for a couple of years and called a lot of games for ACC Network through ESPN. And I did call the Bills games as well. Mm-hmm. To me, the Bills gig allows me to be home a little bit more. I wasn't going to give that one up. If you guys know anything about those <laughs> NFL radio gigs, they just don't come open very often. Yeah. And the fact that the Bills one came open within a couple of years of my career, I think was just really fortunate timing for me. I mean, I'm from Cincinnati. Dave Lapham's been calling Bengals games since I was a kid, and he's still calling them. And so you just don't get guys giving those gigs up. And so I stuck with that one. Do some investing. I see you got my Dano's shirt on there. That's I absolutely right. love it. And, you know, partnering up with companies like that and, you know, kind of playing that investment game has been fun as well. It kind of scratches that competitive itch. And, you know, as we land another retail store or get more sales, like that's the type of stuff that kind of gives you your butterflies and your competitiveness this time of life. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I can only imagine going from football um, to not having, especially the way that it ended for you. I don't, I mean, I don't know much about leading up to the to the retirement, but the, the neck injury, obviously being a little bit abrupt there. Uh, I'm sure for you, it's, it's great to have things to, like you said, pour into and really invest your time in. Uh, for the for the listeners who haven't heard the show, I mean, uh, just looking at the guest list here, you had Mitch Morse on the Buffalo Bills Center um, this week. You've had Luke Hancock, Scott Satterfield. Uh, you've had Chris Mack. You've had a number of different business folks. You've had Kyle Eidelman, uh, a local pastor. Who is your favorite guest or who who is it that you have just walked away from a recording and just been like, I, like, I should have paid for that type of insight? Man, there's been so many, honestly. I mean, I get a lot of I get a lot out of talking to a guy like Ed Milet, who's got the number one business podcast in the country, a Ben Newman, who's one of the top performance coaches, works with Alabama football, but he also works with tons of NFL guys, but works with like a bunch of big time CEOs on just basically creating discipline in your own life to to set you up for success. Like I love talking to people like that. I had a guy 
like talking to the Dave, Dave Stones, the Kyle Ottomans, like I get a ton out of those. I recorded one actually today with Kyle Ottoman. We're going to, we did another one today, promote his new book, but I get a ton out of those. I have a ton of fun talking to former teammates like Richie Incognito and Ryan Fitzpatrick and those, but I don't grow as much from those, mm-hmm. but like, man, when you have a junior Bridgman, one of the top five richest black people in the entire country, one of the most successful uh, people in the entire country, when you have him, talking just the most simple life lessons that make the most sense ever. Like when he told me, you know, I asked him, you know, cause everyone would love to bring down a junior Bridgman. Everyone would love to have that one little piece of info that finally brings him down. Well, he's 66 years old. Like how do you last that long and not a bad words ever been spoken about him? And I, so I asked him that and he said, Eric, I just have these guardrails in my life. And I just know if I never stray from those, I'll never do anything to embarrass myself or my family. I'm like, oh, I mean, how simple, but how wise is that? Like, okay, well, what are you? So I made the joke that my guardrails are a little wider than his. I got like a four lane road. He's got like a <laughs> two lane, maybe a one lane country highway. That's like how narrow his his uh, guardrails are. But it's just been, honestly, each one I've learned a little bit from. And it's amazing even as I'm on this podcast, how many times I can reference back to those interviews and stuff I've learned or ways that they poured into me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great. Whenever, whenever you have a conversation uh, for us, it happens all the time. It's happened several times tonight. I mean, you can, you can kind of point back to conversations you've had and just the way you've been influenced in a podcast. And it's funny, everybody makes a joke. Oh, you, everybody's got a podcast, but uh, it's so cool to kind of find a lane and be able to to stick in it and, and find something that works. So again, for our audience out there, if you've not listened to it, What's Next with Eric Wood, you can find it anywhere that you get your podcast from. Great stuff there. Tons of takeaways. Uh, and for the Louisville folks who are just only Louisville listeners, like I said, Luke Hancock, Scott Satterfield, uh, Chris Mack, several of other Louisville people here that have been on the show. So just tons of great content for anyone out there. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time out of your, your busy life and uh, time away from the kiddos to talk with us goobers about Louisville football. Uh, for those of you who, who don't have plans, Sunday night, Sunday at 4 o'clock, spring football, Cardinal Stadium, a little practice, a little scrimmage action, get out there, support the cards, support Scott Satterfield, uh, and we will be back next week with our spring wrap-up episode, and we hope to catch you then. Until then, go Cards. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.